Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about what just happened, y'all. I'm going to tell you. Karen Devaney's in the kitchen. Yes. I'm Ann Varner. Yes. And we were getting ready to start our podcast when all hell broke loose. It really did. So I get a text from my daughter, and she sends me her location, which is odd. And then I just get a bunch of letters, which was really odd. Right. And then I go to call her, and it goes straight to voicemail. And so then I text her back, and it goes, at first it says undelivered, which I'm thinking, okay, now our phone is off. And then it goes through. And then I call her again, and it goes straight to voicemail. So I call my son and say, have you heard from your sister? And he says, no, why? And I say, just got a really weird message and all that stuff. And as I'm, so and then I stop talking to him. And then Ann, what's your name? Ann gets a text from from my daughter saying, I'm on my way, which and is let's weird. Just, let's just let our audience know, because they don't really know the backstory, is that Sarah was hanging out with a friend, but a friend that she hadn't seen in a long time. A male friend a male that's friend. completely platonic, so but she the, the hasn't seen him. location that Karen Devaney got was from a location close to where Sarah lives. Right, but so, not where Sarah lives. Right. It was like three streets over. And so I tried to call Sarah, and it went straight to voicemail. And, you know, my sister and I do a podcast <laughs> about murder. And sometimes it involves kidnapping. So, yes. So we were not hearing anything from Sarah. Karen. No, and then my son texted me and said, I have, I have her on butt dial. I can hear her talking. So I said, keep her on the line. And I call my husband because he's actually closer. In the meantime, though, <laughs> yeah. Karen and I throw our shoes on, grab our purses. Leave the kitchen exactly like I was starting. Jump in my car, and we're headed out, and it is t- a torrential downpour. downpour. Yeah. I know that I've got my umbrella in the car. And I have a really long phone cord that can be used for strangulation. So we, and and I there's I a bungee, bungee cord. cords because I'm in the yeah. process of... Of moving. So we felt like we were armed. We were ready. We were going. Yeah. We were going in. And I have clunky flip-flops on today. So that to the head could render somebody just Let me tell dazed you something. and confused I've for a minute. I've been told that one look from me could yeah. drop you right to your knees. Me too. So yeah. then we start getting messages from Sarah that she's fine. And, of course, we have to be sure. So we have to hear her voice. And then I called, and she's not answering. So we keep driving. Right. And then I get a text from my son. She's okay, LOL, call off the Calvary. And still, so I call my husband, and he says, did you hear her voice? And I said, no. He said, I'm going to keep going until I hear her voice. And I said, okay. And he, by the way, has packed his shotgun, his handgun, and all of his ammo with him. (laughs) Because he doesn't know what we're heading into either. And right. So, and then I get a call from Sarah laughing, going, Mom, everything's okay. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm now gonna kill you, right? Because we've called the cavalry, and we thought that you had been kidnapped. And she was like, Oh my gosh! And she was like, And by the way, if I had been kidnapped, like, where the hell are you? I would be dead by now. And I said, 
Well, we're trying to get there. We're all trying. We're all in route. At least we had a location to start from. My God. And we had to call my husband, and he had to talk to Sarah so that he heard her voice, and he said to her, who is my favorite football team? And when she gave him the correct answer, he knew it was okay. Yeah. So now we're back, and we're going to start our podcast. Oh, my gosh. Lord have mercy, my children, my chillins. I know. They are crazy. No wonder I have 50,000 gray hairs up in my head. I know. They're, they're just, they're, uh, uh. and it all falls apart when they, when you're busy, when something's going on. Yeah. So, never just when you're sitting around doing nothing, ready, ready to go. No. So, no. But that's okay. That's okay. At least Sarah knows if she's in trouble. She, we're coming. We're, yeah. Cause we were even at the point of, okay, who do we know on that side of town? We were going to call contacts, people that we know on that side of town. Yes. To they hop just in get to her faster. Just get to her. Right. So. Thank goodness it all stopped. And they would have been packing that. heat, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. So, it would have been. <laughs> Y'all, I'm sorry. We're in the South. If you're a gunfight at the OK Corral. <laughs> if somebody, one of our people's in trouble, we're not going to just show up with nothing. No. And, by the way, I told her to tell her friend he really dodged a bullet because he, he almost died today. He has no idea. <laughs> he almost died by... Blunt force trauma to the head with an umbrella, he with a phone cord around his neck, up. bungee cords behind, tying up yeah. his hands and feet, and then my husband was going to show up with the whole armory. Right. So, he yeah. almost died today. He did. So, he, he needs to cool his jets, too. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah. All right. So, so, very quickly, tell me what you're making so that I can get on with my story. Okay. So, it, it was really hot and humid today. Uh, it has been terrible. Yes. And also, my sister is in the process of moving. Lord have mercy. So, moving I didn't... And uh, God saved me. I have chosen to move in the month of June in Charleston, South Carolina. During the, the humidity COVID. is... <laughs> Horrible. Yes. Horrible. Yeah. So it was very humid today and very hot, and I didn't want to turn on the oven. And so I am making some refrigerator pies, which I love for the summertime anyway. Me too. And these are the lemonade pies, and our daddy, God rest his soul, used to love these, and we used to make them for him for his birthday every year, which, by the way, his birthday is June 13th, yep. so it's right around the corner from us, so it's very appropriate that we're doing this for right. him today. Daddy, this is for you, and so I'm going to tell you how I make it real quick because it's real simple. I'm making two of them because I knew that I couldn't just take a pie and not leave one for myself. So that would be rude. I know. So it's so simple. Um, you can get the ready-made graham cracker crust. I prefer the ready-made shortbread crust yeah. because I love a cookie, and I take a an 8-ounce tub of Cool Whip. I use the original. I don't believe in fat-free or light, and I don't believe in store-brand Cool Whip. I take a, a lemonade. It's the frozen concentrate 12-ounce can of lemonade. I do the yellow. You can do the pink if you want, and you can do limeade. And I do a can of Eagle Brand milk, the sweetened condensed milk, not the evaporated, but the sweetened <laughs> condensed. <laughs> so I mix those together until they're smooth. I pour that into my ready-made shortbread crust, and then I'm going to put that pie in the freezer for probably an hour, and then when it comes out, I've got the other, I've got another tub of Cool Whip that I am going to have sitting on the counter so it's real soft, and then I will quote-unquote ice the pie with that right, Cool Whip so you have a, right. a layer of Cool Whip on it, and yeah, then I'll put it back the, in. For some people, it might be a little, a little tart, because it, it is quite tart, and I... 
can remember making these, and there usually was more than enough, like a little more than what the pie can hold. Mm -hmm. As you can see right here. We would just dip graham crackers in, um, which I happen to have. Just oh, that's what we'll be doing just in because case. there's just in a case. lot of this in here, yeah. and the pot is full already. <laughs> All right. Well, so. you get to do that. Yes, and the good news is, sugar. When it's my turn to talk about my murder, you won't have anything to do. Oh my God, I'll be so bored. Oh, well then I'll just make I'm it. I'm just joking. I'll just, you can do the topping then. <laughs> All right, on with my murder. So this is actually. Um, and welcome, y'all. Yes, welcome. <laughs> We're so discombobulated today. It is a little today. crazy. My house is in disarray. and So are our brains. Um, but it's okay. It's all going to be good because I'm moving. My and gosh. I'm actually moving into the same place where my sister lives whoop, whoop. and uh, two floors up that's right same building so, two floors up yeah they have no idea what's yes, about to happen over there well yeah my husband and i know it's just the apartment complex that's, that's what i was talking about. about yeah all right so very appropriate this is a, a the way i started off when i wrote up my murder i start off by saying the teenage years can be brutal for both teens and their parents. A freaking <laughs> And uh, we're here to tell you it goes way past the teens, but yeah. the teens can be especially <laughs> challenging. As we witnessed today. Um, my story takes place in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Mm. Um, so a little history about Port St. Lucie. I've been. I was there in, I think our brother lived in there. In the 90s, yeah, when my brother was there. My brother was there, too. It's the craziest oh, thing. That's so crazy. I wonder if they know each other. I don't think so. Okay. They, I don't think that they would run in the same circles. So, interesting thing about Port St. Lucie, which I, I did not know before, that I find to be quite interesting, is Port St. Lucie was originally built as a retirement community. Oh. So, the intent by the planners was to build this place in Florida for retired people to come. And they have a lot of those, So, they by didn't the way. really focus a lot on things for, like, young people to do. Sure, sure, um, sure. They, as a matter of fact, there was such a push by the developer to get it built, they threw up these street signs, and the words are misspelled on the signs. No way. Still to this day. Are you kidding? So, for instance, one street is Twilight, mm -hmm. and it's spelled T-W-Y-L-I-T. So, the city planners didn't really have a... They, they didn't ever win a spelling bee. Correct. And they probably figured, well, the old folks will never know. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, oh, Lordy. not the best place... For children. For children who need to learn to how spell. to spell. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the problem is there weren't a whole lot of... Retired people that moved there. It ended up being families oh. that moved there. Somebody um, didn't market well. It things went really bad. So because it wasn't know. really planned out for families, mm -hmm. and there wasn't a lot to do, the teenagers in that area turned to to drugs and alcohol for entertainment. Damn, I hate that. So we have a sweet couple named Blake and Mary Jo. Aww. Their last name is Hadley. Hadley. Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. Okay. Mary Jo was a grade school teacher, mm -hmm. and Blake worked um, at the local power plant, the nuclear power plant. Okay. They had two sons. They had Ryan, and they had Tyler. And also known as Ryan and Tyler, in case anybody needed a translation. I know. I can, I can remember when I 
first moved out of our hometown <laughs> to other places, people could not understand my accent. And I would say Ron. Ron. And I, I actually moved in to a house where I cleaned the house in exchange for, I got a bedroom in the basement. And the one of the kids' names was Ryan. And I think I called him Ron. And his mama <laughs> flipped out on me. She was, like, she was from somewhere up north. Oh my and gosh. ever since then, I, I call it Ryan. I know, but no. Instead of Ron and Tyler. I still get Tyler wrong. I can't help it. It's set. That's uh, okay, because when I call you Ann, they think I'm saying Ian. Ian, I get the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know how to pronounce my own name. You're yeah. just not listening right. That's what I say. Y'all aren't, y'all aren't listening right. Right. Anyway, the Hadley family, they were just your typical family with two boys. In athletics and doing their thing, enjoying their time with their teenagers. Ryan was older than Tyler and around the time of my story had gone off to college. Okay. So it was just Tyler at home and uh, Tyler was 17. Mm -hmm. So Tyler had been getting into a little bit of trouble here and there and his parents had, he and his parents had kind of been flashing and they were going through one of those phases in life where your teenager thinks they're in control and the parents think they're in control so everybody's kind of, we call it jockeying for position about who's who's doing what. Who's who in the zoo. And the kids, the teenagers around town, the big thing was to go to a party. Like, And the who's who was having these huge, mm. all-out, go-crazy parties. Mm. Well, Tyler wasn't with an in-crowd, really. He was very quiet. He maybe had some anger problems, and that, that kind of wasn't his scene. So Tyler's decided that he's going to have a party. Oh, okay. Yeah, and everybody could tell it was going to be a huge party because nobody pretty much had heard of whoever this kid was, Tyler Hadley, that was throwing the party. Yeah, so they're like, we can just go do whatever we want at his house. We don't know him. He yeah, don't know it us. Yeah, it's like, all right, one of the, some kid from Port St. Lucie High School is having a party and his parents are out of town. So such bad advertisement. Right. <laughs> I mean, lesson learned. That's not the way you do it. So Tyler had been telling his friends all week that he was going to have this big party, but nobody believed him because he'd never had a party before. Okay. Right? And he knew they all knew that he had kind of been in trouble with his parents. Right. He'd never thrown a party. It was impossible to believe that his parents, who had been increasingly strict with him lately, would give their consent. And when his friends asked whether the party was still on, Tyler would reply by text, I'm working on it. So they assumed that meant it was off. But at 11.25 p.m. in the morning, (laughs) on Saturday, the 16th of July, 2011, Tyler um, received a Facebook message from his friend, Antonio Ramirez. And um, Uh, uh, Antonio. Can we say Ramirez? I like Ramirez. (laughs) It's Ramirez. That's right, Ram Mo Res. Or Ram Irez. Ram Irez. What is it? Ramirez. <laughs> Are you sure? More than once. Ramirez. 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 Ramir
anywho, Tyler oh and Antonio are having a text conversation. <laughs> Tyler's like, sup, bra. And Antonio says, chilling. What you doing tonight? Tyler says, trying to have a party at my crib. And Antonio says, your parents ain't home? Tyler says, nope. And he says, well, they're leaving soon. And then at 1.15, Tyler posted a message on his Facebook wall that said, party at my crib tonight. Oh, God. Maybe. Wait. So everybody's <laughs> like, what? This That's is some washy stuff going on, Tyler. Right. So you and your friend still, Ramarez. like, yeah, Ramarez is like, <laughs> I ain't coming. I ain't coming. I ain't it's doing not that. Happening. I ain't doing right. that. So no one was convinced. But by 8.15, Tyler posted another message. And it said... Party at my house, my house, H-M-U. What does that mean? H-M-U. Hold on, I'm going to tell you. House, house mom, mom under investigation. Right. Anyway, anyway, his <laughs> friends were still like, I don't know. Homie, my income. Right. <laughs> so then a friend of Tyler sent a message and she was like, whoa, what if your parents come home when you're having a party? Mm-hmm. And Tyler says, trust me, they won't. Okay. So okay. he's so like, I'm having this party. I'm telling hot. you, my parents are. They ain't coming. Maybe. So they ain't coming home. Maybe. Right. So the party's just getting started when this kid Mike arrived, and that was with like ten of his friends. I already don't like him. Oh. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, he's late. He showed up with ten friends. So. Okay. Well, listen. It's eleven thirty, which is not that late for a party. It's not like come over at 6 o'clock for an ice cream social kind of party. That's true. So, <laughs> this is take a nap in the afternoon and get up because you're going to be up all freaking night. Yeah. Listen, Mike was popular, athletic, mm. and he knew who Tyler was, but only by sight. He'd seen the kid around, but he didn't, like, know him, know him. Mm. And Tyler was very distinctive looking. He was tall and skinny, um, like, really skinny, almost skeletal. He Somebody was six, feed that boy. I know. He was 6'1 and only weighed 160 pounds. Lord have so, mercy. Tyler, eat a burger. I know. Have a donut, buddy. Mm-hmm. So, I'll have one for you. At school, he was quiet, almost nonverbal, though occasionally he would, like, have these weird outbursts in class. What happened? Help. What? I mean, this, you're not selling Tyler to me. Okay. <laughs> what, I, what else do I need to say? I would not have go to his party. <laughs> His friends were all potheads, juvenile delinquents, pill poppers. Till- so you still Tiller? Like Tiller was? Tiller. <laughs> Tiller. That's who Tiller, yes. Dang, aren't I? I mean, I just didn't yep. see that happen. They weren't really the type of kids that Mike liked to hang around. No, because he's with jocks. But it was a warm summer night in July, and there was nothing who else going resist? on in St. Port St. Lucie. So, by the way, Port St. Lucie is 40 miles north of West Palm Beach. It's got six golf courses, twice as many assisted living homes, seven funeral homes, two bingo halls, and a shuffleboard club. Girl, I know who's living up in there. (laughs) So they didn't have access to beach. There was not a downtown, and there was really just no no place for the teenagers to go. So, oh, but there was a giant arcade called Superplay USA. Super play, which, which advertised itself as a state of the art family playground. How fun! So the parks were closed at night. So you know, Mike and his friends, they're like, uh, we've been out for three hours killing time at the mall in Stewart, which is twenty minutes away. Um, they hung out at McDonald's for an hour. For us, it would have been Dairy Queen, and they figured 
I look up and my sister's got a spoonful of stuff. <laughs> she is. Okay. So they figure they may as well just check out this party that this kid's doing. So yeah, yeah. they go to the door. Tyler answers the door and he's got on a long black t-shirt. What they call black dickies. Do you know what the black what a black dickie is? Dickies. They're they're shorts. They're shorts or they're, pants. Right, but you know, the dickie brand was like a construction worker yeah, yeah. type. Mm-hmm. Like, like a workman's. Right. Car- right, right. Like a carpenter would wear. And he did not have on shorts. They were pants. They were a pant. They were a pant. Pants, yes. And some, some black Nike Air Force high top sneakers. So he's dressed in all black. All in black, yeah. He seems a little anxious. Which well, is, here's the thing. He didn't need to dress in all black because that's very slimming, and I don't think he needed that. No. He should have looked up. Maybe a heavy sweater. <laughs> yeah. Um, and some brighter colors. So he seems a little anxious, or at least as anxious as you can be while on ecstasy. No, no. It was clear that Tyler was, quote, rolling. It was, he was what? He was rolling. He was rolling. His eyes were rolling large deep. and white. His pupils expanded, and he kept rubbing his hands together, nervously clenching his fist. He opens the door, and he says, I don't want no one smoking inside. It's my parents' house. All right. So he's like, you kids can come on in here. He didn't call them kids, but dudes, brah, come bra. on in, but don't bring your smoking in here. Okay. And so next thing you know... There's 60 kids in the house. Oh, my. It's like a parfait. And this was not like a ginormous house. This was, oh, my gosh. You know. Tyler, you have lost control. Most of the people didn't even know who Tyler was. Ground um, control they were to major the couches, right? <laughs> They were playing, playing beer pong on the dining room table. They were looking all over the kitchen for food. Um, they had gathered and, like, packed out front. They were tossing into cans onto the lawn. In the living room, um... I mean, it just sounds like a bunch of shenanigans. Some bottles fell over and a bunch of kids laughed. Cigarettes were being put out on the rug. No! The counter. Uh, Tyler, you've lost control, you dimwit. And Tyler just didn't seem very concerned with the destruction of the home. Okay. <laughs> Don't get his ass beat. But he was very concerned about the noise. Because he said if the neighbors got alarmed, they might call the police. We don't want no puzzle. So he said, just stay in the house. Yes. I know I told you you couldn't bring your smoking inside the house, but I've changed my mind. You guys Uh-oh. come inside the house and smoke. Please but, smoke in my house. But don't be loud outside. He said, I don't care if you smoke in the house. So Mike was talking with some girls on the couch because, mm. you know. That's and what this he does. drunk skater kid came over and he said, I smell dead people. And he giggled. And Mike looked up and he's like, what's that supposed to mean? He said, oh, I don't know. Some people are smoking. That's all. All right, dude, whatever, said Mike. And the skater dude laughed and wandered off. Right. Weirdo. Okay. So a large crowd had gathered around the beer pong table. And the table was directly next to the family computer where the kids took turns playing songs on YouTube. Mike queued up Wiz Khalifa's No Sleep. You don't know the words to that song because normally that the breakout song. No Sleep to Brooklyn? No, I don't think so. And a couple of tracks from Lil Wayne's mixtape. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but Tune Cheese Back and Racks. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I probably got that wrong. Anyway, they were playing. Who was the first Khalifa. one? Wes Khalifa? Mm-hmm. No Sleep. No Sleep. I'm going to look that up. Is that No Sleep to Brooklyn? 
I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that was the Beastie Boys. So the computer area was filthy. It was dirtier than the rest of the house. The white keyboard was kind of tacky with some weird brown dried liquid, like maybe beer or Coke. But nobody really looked at it. Those, it, those are bad words in here. Yeah, I mean, it's kids' party. And it's about party. It's about letting the party get the best of it. Go, me. let's do it. Party. Yeah, waking up in the morning, two hoes laying next to me. Right. Plus, I heard an officer arrested me. Oh. Good weed and cold dro- dro- cold drinks. That's the mother bleeping recipe. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Look, baking. Aren't they smart? Oh, my gosh. We should meet Wiz Khalifa and see if he wants to do the, um, you know, the theme song for our podcast. Yes. Oh, my God. That's such a great idea. Yeah. Okay. I'll get in touch with him. I'm All sure right, so I haven't yet. This kid, Jose, comes over. And Jose's, like, he's got straight black hair, and it's kind of combed over his forehead. He's playing um, beer pong, and he hears somebody say, oh, he killed his parents. <gasps> and everyone laughed. Jose won 15 straight games of beer pong, let it be said. 15 straight games of beer pong. Well, I mean, I've never, I've never even heard of somebody straight. that good at beer pong. But people kept asking Tyler where his parents are. And he said, he told his friend Mark, oh, they went to Georgia. And then his The devil went down to Georgia. Yeah. And then he told his friend Ryan, oh, they're in Orlando. Orlando, Georgia. And then he told his friend Richard, uh, they don't live here. This is my house. I feel like something ominous has happened to the parents. So Mark, he's 21, had met Tyler 11 years ago when Mark's family first moved to Port St. Lucie. And Tyler and Mark's younger brother's um, Tyler and Mark's younger brothers were friends. So okay. the families lived down the street from each other. Okay. When Tyler was 10, he showed up at the Andrews house after a fight with his mom, and he vowed that he would kill his parents. Who did? Tyler. Tyler said that 11 years ago? Yeah. <sighs> Cheeky kid. Yeah, I mean, well, kids say that. Unhappy teenagers. I just want to kill my parents. Oh, better not catch my kids saying that. Um, I'll knock a tooth loose. Right. Mark told Tyler that all parents pissed off their kids, and Tyler started to kind of calm down. He was like, yeah, you're right. And then the two boys laughed about it. So Tyler has another friend named Marky. Marky Missed Mark. the party, and he was visiting his grandparents in Chicago that weekend, but he had been hanging out with Tyler two nights, two nights earlier, and they played video games and watched TV mm-hmm. at Marky's house. Mm-hmm. So Tyler had seemed pretty fine that night, but two weeks before that, they had been hanging out at Marky's house when Tyler blurted out in the middle of a conversation that he wanted to kill his parents and have a big party after. So, it's okay. Uh-oh. I was setting the timer for my pause. Understood. Mm-hmm. So nobody had ever done that before. The okay. party um, with the body still in the house. Well, that's crazy, said Marky. He figured Tyler was trying to make a joke. Nobody ever took Tyler seriously when he talked about killing his parents. And then, then in a Facebook chat with his friend Mercedes <gasps> on July 2nd, two she weeks sounds before like a classy the broad. party, Tyler complained that his mom had confiscated his cell phone. Damn it. She took my cell phone. That's my lifeline. How am I going to text my bros? So they are texting back and forth, and Tyler says, LOL, yep, she's a super bad word. <gasps> Super bad? Super bad. Like, see you next Tuesday? Yes. Oh, my gosh. For show, I might kill her. For show? Mercedes said, 
OMG, no jail, or I mean prison, LOL. And Tyler texts back, oh, well, with the heart. You know, he's talking about it. And then there was his friend, Matthew Noble. He's 17, junior at Port St. Lucie High School. And he has this exchange with Tyler at 940 in the morning on the day of the party. Matt says, did you do it? Tyler says, no, but I'm gonna. Matt said, bet. You really should now. Do it. Tyler said, don't worry, I am. Tyler said, then I'm having a party. And then Matt said, yeah, party time. And then he uses an explicative. Okay. So, ex- explicative. That's explicative explanation. An explanation. What? Explicative. 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 Ex- tell me what the word it's, is. It, that's right. Explicative. Okay. What is it? Why are you looking at me that way? No, I just, I've never heard it. I've never heard of it that said that way, but I'm sure it's the correct way. Oh, well, we know. <laughs> Whatever. I have my own way of seeing things. Just move past it. So, again, Port St. Lucie's not built for teenagers. It is named after the patron saint. Is it an ex- explicative? No, expletive. I don't know. Expletive. We're clearly not on the same wave frequency today, so whatever. (laughs) Anyway, Port St. Lucie is named after the patron saint of people with eye problems. What? Yeah. Oh, because all the old people are going to come down with glaucoma. Right. Which is kind of funny because the the signs all have the spellings on them. Yes. So an expletive is an oath or a swear word. Yeah, an expletive. Okay, an ex- explicative. explicative. Oh, so the funny thing is the Hadleys lived on a street called Grandeur, which is spelled G-R-A-N-D-E-U-R, but their street sign said G-R-A-N-D-U-E-R. Keep going. You knew what I was saying. There was a bad word at the end of that. Okay. That I cannot say aloud. Anyway. Now I've lost my damn... You can say it. You just can't say the F word. Mama said we couldn't say the F word. She never said we couldn't say anything else. No, it was a word that I would not say. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes, that teenagers like to say back and forth. And I... Is it the BS word? Is it the GD word? Oh, my God. No, leave it. Just... (sighs) By midnight at the Hadley residence, there's a hundred (gasps) people. Oh, my gosh. And two dogs. A black Labrador named Sophie. And an old, partially deaf and blind beagle. Where did they come from? Sophie was nowhere to be found. But the beagle was hiding in the bedroom that had belonged to Tyler's older brother, Ryan, who had moved to North Carolina six weeks earlier to attend college. The party was only several hours old, but the room looked as if it had been ransacked by thieves. Clothes and bedding were scattered across the floor, and the bed frame was cracked. Ew. The beagle cowered under the bed. Oh, my gosh. So, Stephanie arrives with her friend, Joshua, around midnight. She had a crush on... A list of characters. I know. She had a crush on Tyler, but she didn't know him very well. So, I bet Tyler had no idea. Mm -mm. That could have changed. If she had just said something, Mm -hmm. that could have changed the whole direction. Tyler, I fancy you. So, um... He was standing awkwardly by the wall when she walked in next to his mother's computer and wasn't talking to his friends. When Stephanie went to the bathroom, she found a beagle hiding in the shower. He was scared. I know. No, I don't like it when the dogs are upset. 
I don't like it. All right, so another guy who's known Tyler since sixth grade, but has seen a lot less of Tyler since freshman year of high school, which happens a lot. He stopped hanging out with Tyler because Tyler started smoking weed. And he couldn't tell whether Tyler was acting really strange because Tyler always acted kind of strange or if there was something else going on. Or if this was a particular kind of strange. Right. So at 1230, the party's running out of beer. So Tyler goes to his friend Mark and asks them to drive him to Sunoco Gas Station, which is a block away. And Tyler gave him a wad of $20 bills to Mark. And Mark is the one that's 21. We sure, talked about him. Sure, earlier. sure. And asked him to buy four cases of bush light. So while they waited in Mark's car, Tyler mentioned to Ashley that his father had died. Ashley, who didn't really know Tyler very well, assumed he meant his father had passed away a long time ago. But when they get back to the house, the kids are um, at the party are playing water pong because my golly, there's not enough beer. What the hell? You got if you're throwing a party, you got to make sure there's enough stuff. So one boy was walking around with a baggie full of white round white pills, selling them for a dollar a piece. Another was selling some marijuana. This other kid shows up around 12.45 because somebody had texted him that Hadley's party was the biggest thing ever. He's famous now. Yeah. He's famous. And he says to Tyler, thanks for throwing the party, man. How you been? Tyler said, all right, in a very flat voice. So, um... This kid snook, knew Tyler from school, and he knew that he was kind of sullen, introverted. But tonight, despite the party's increase in chaos, Tyler seemed perfectly calm. At least until one boy who had taken off his shirt and run out of the house screaming, returned holding a mailbox over his head. Oh, no. What's a mailbox? And where his shirt is? I know. Tyler says, where the F did you get that? And the kid said, I took it off the neighbor's lawn. The boy, the boy wheeled around the living room with the mailbox knocking beer bottles to the floor. Tyler started yelling, stealing a mailbox is a felony, he said. The police are going to come. Someone removed the mailbox from the house and returned it to the street. Oh, so nice. now we're good. Very felony responsible. Over. Yes. yes. Felony averted. So this kid Snook notices that the door to the master bedroom is closed. Assuming that there were people inside getting high. Or getting He jiggy. tried to enter, but it was locked. But he did notice a black smear about a foot long beneath the door. And it looked like an oil-based paint that someone had tried to unsuccessfully wipe away. So this kid just write a collegiate soccer player who asked that his real name be withheld when they interviewed him. Which is kind of funny because he's a collegiate soccer player. He doesn't want to get a bad rep. But he was at the party. We know you, Justin. He gets there at 115 and the first thing he notices is the smell. It smelled like sweaty clothes that had been sitting around too long. And the place was a mess. The white ceramic floor tiles were grimy. Now we know why he doesn't want to be known, because he's being really mean. Several picture frames. And very judgy about the cleanliness or lack thereof. Picture frames missing from the wall. Hmm. Other ones were kind of askew. Is that the right word? Askew is correct. Great. Dishes were (laughs) smeared with the remnants of mac and cheese. They were just all piled up in the kitchen. Justin asked Tyler if there were any house rules. Tyler said, dude, just do whatever you want. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So uh, Justin starts playing some beer pong. And during his game, a beer pong, the ball bounced to the floor and rolled beneath the table. 
where it came to rest in a sticky, thick brown substance, similar to that that's on the keyboard at the computer. Justin is like, oh, my God, that's kind of gross, but whatever. He got the ball. The game must go on. He took it to the kitchen sink, rinsed it off, and then continued to play the game. Because that's what teenagers do, right? Yeah. So, Mark Andrews, you know, his buddy. The 21-year-old? getting ready to leave the party. Okay. Tyler said, can I speak to you privately? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can't. No. I don't want that. So, Tyler went outside and got told all the kids that were standing um, to get back in the house so that the neighbors wouldn't call the cops. Dude, get in the house. The neighbors are going to call the cops. Yeah, because they haven't already. Right. So, once... Everybody was inside. Tyler looked at Mark and he said, dude, I did some things. I might go to prison. I might go away for life. I don't know, dude. I'm freaking out right now. Mark said, what are you talking about? Dude, I know you're not going to believe me. No one's going to believe me. I freaking killed somebody. Dude. You killing somebody is your own business, said Mark. Don't be telling me that sort of thing. I don't need to know. Don't be putting your business on the street. <laughs> Mark is like, uh, no. no. I didn't hear earmuffs, earmuffs. So Tyler goes back inside because Mark's like, I, I, no, I'm not. I don't want to hear it. Like, whatever. And he leaves. Mark leaves. I would too. I'd be Goodbye. like, I'm out. I'm out. Somewhere. This guy's trying to tell me something weirdo. I don't want to know. I can't unhear it. I got to go. Oh, my God. So, Tyler goes back inside the house. He runs into a friend of his named Ricardo. Was it um, Ricardo Monteblanc? No, mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name because <laughs> I'm giving up on that. <clears throat> but Tyler had just met him that night. Okay. It's not like they were long lost. Mm-hmm. And Ricardo's like, thanks for having us over, man. And thanks for the beer. What a nice guy. Ricardo. He's got good manners. Yeah, he's nice. It's a nice kid. Yeah. His parents really should be proud. And Tyler said, yeah, I just wanted to do something fun before I left. Where are you going? I'm going to kill myself. Why would you do that? Because I did something really bad. What'd you do? It can't be that bad. Don't worry. If I get caught, I'll be in jail a long time. Well, are you going to kill yourself or not kill? I mean, what are you, you doing? Gotta make, pick so, a lane, dude. Pick a lane. Tyler walks back to his bedroom and he finds this Kimberly girl. Kimberly? Um, Kimberly. Yeah. Oh, Kimberly. She's known to her friends as K-Nasty. Oh, well, I don't like her at all. All right. Because ain't nobody need to be calling somebody that. Well, she and Tyler were close friends, so whatever. Well, it's it sounds like she's got grimy feet and does not shower. <laughs> she lived two <laughs> houses down. Okay. So, also on Grandier. Grandier. He says to Kay Nasty, I'm going away for 60 years. His voice seemed to come from a faraway place, and she said, why? He said, you'll find out tomorrow. So now it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Tyler has asked his very good friend, Michael Mandel, to walk outside so they could talk in private. He really wants to connect with somebody, just like anybody Anybody, can anybody dig deeper when I'm telling you? How many times do I have to tell you this? I've done something bad. I've killed somebody. Right. So good old Mike Mandel does go outside. and No relation to Howie Mandel. Don't know. Doesn't say. Let's not make that assumption then. Well, you don't know. So, but Tyler and Michael had actually been best friends since they were eight. Oh, nice. um, They've been hanging out, chatting with their friends at the party. 
And um, so they walk down the road at the end of the block. They get to a stop sign. Tyler turned to Michael and said, I killed my parents. <gasps> and the truth comes out. And Mike is like, okay, right. Uh, Michael, I'm being real. I'm not lying I'm being to real. you. If I'm you being look closely enough, you can Dude, see the signs. Bro, I'm being real. And then he told Michael, look in the driveway. So Michael looks in the driveway and he notices that there are two cars in the driveway. A black Toyota Tacoma truck that belonged to Tyler's father. Uh-oh. And his mom's red Ford Expedition. Uh-oh. If his parents weren't home, why were their cars there? So they were supposed to be in Orlando, Georgia. So Mike still couldn't believe it. So Tyler told him to look inside the garage. So after oh. making sure that nobody was watching, Michael slipped into the garage and turned on the light. He saw a bloody shoe print and immediately retreated. <laughs> the door behind him. He, he probably did the moonwalk right out of there. <laughs> so then Tyler took Michael to the master bedroom where there were traces of blood on the door. Tyler unlocked the door and opened it. Michael saw dining room chairs, blood-soaked towels, stacked in a huge pile. And at the bottom of the pile, emerging from the debris, lay a white leg. Ew. Tyler told Michael what had happened. That afternoon, shortly before 5, Tyler had his parents' cell phones, hid his parents' cell phones so they couldn't call for help. Then he listened to Feel Lucky, a song by the rapper Lil Boozy. Lil Boozy? Lil Boozy. I didn't even know there was a Lil Boozy. To psych himself up. So he's listening to Feel Lucky to get psyched up. Lil Boozy. He took three pills of ecstasy because he worried that he couldn't go through with it sober. He walks into the garage, finds a claw hammer. And then he goes back into the house. He stood behind his mother while she worked. Oh, I know the word. Oh, (laughs) An hour later. Jiminy's. So anyway, this is so creepy to me. He stood behind his mother while she worked at the family computer. For a full five minutes, he stood there thinking about what he was going to do. Creepy. Then he raises the claw end of the hammer and brought it down on Mary Jo's head. Which is why there was a little schmear. Why, she screamed. Why? Hearing his wife scream, Blake Hadley ran out of the master bedroom. He was a big man, 6'1", 300 pounds. But nothing could have prepared him for what he saw. Father and son locked eyes for several moments. Why, asked Blake Hadley. Why the F not, shouted Tyler. He kept repeating this question while he beat his father to death with the claw end of the hammer. Um, what the actual F word? I know. When it was over, Tyler said that he wrapped towels, towels around his parents' heads and dragged them into the master bedroom. <clears throat> the bodies lay side by side, face down, the hammer on the ground between them. It took three hours to clean up all the blood and gore. And he didn't even do a good job. Right, because there's some he on missed the some and on the brain floor. matter on the floor mm-hmm. underneath the palm table. Can you imagine after all that's said and done? <sighs> so, um, and there's that's the black old stain, the black, right. that's the drag. And he, and then Tyler was like, it took me a lot longer than I thought. He threw every piece of incriminating evidence he could find into that bedroom, burying the corpses beneath a pile of broken dishes, shattered glass, blade towels, pillowcases, books, a coffee table, 
a sponge mop, Clorox wipes, a canister of coffee grounds. I don't know about that. Maybe he thought they needed some coffee. Oh, you know, he was probably trying to hide the smell. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. So then he went and took a shower, and then um, he started to stare at his reflection in the bathroom mirror, and he laughed. So um, another friend of Tyler's was standing in the hall outside the master bedroom when he saw Michael rush from the room, slam the door behind him. Michael looked deranged. He was looking over both shoulders back and forth. But Michael didn't leave the party. No, I'm going to need a drink. He didn't leave the party. He stayed for another 45 minutes. Posed with his, uh, for, with self, posing for selfies with Tyler. Oh, because he knew this guy's going to be famous photo one day. Taken with Michael's cell phone, the two best friends stand in what appears to be the garage. Both boys um, have their hair like crew cut, so they, they almost look like brothers, but Tyler's raising up an orange plastic cup. Um, close to two o'clock in the morning, somebody stood up and announced that there was another house party being thrown by a neighbor. So all the kids began running outside, tossing their drinks into the grass, opening car doors. Tyler ran out after them. Joshua had just gotten into his car when someone slammed on the driver's side window. It was Tyler. He's like, where's everybody going? So Josh says, "Uh, dude, there's another party. Tyler said, oh, okay. And um, he just was like defeated. So, 14 cars. I still can't imagine why nobody has called the police. If there are that many kids in this house, you know? Well, the only one that should be calling the police are the, or is the one that saw the body. Well, no, yeah, but still with the neighbors and the party. And, you know, oh, oh, you're saying in the neighborhood. Right. So, because it says 14 cars peeled out of the neighborhood, and they went up to the place where they thought there was a party, mm-hmm. but the house was dark and quiet. A girl comes outside in pajamas, and she wasn't having a party. It was just a rumor. Oh, my gosh. Right. So. And her parents probably marched her right outside and said, tell your friends, you go need home. To tell them to go home. Yes. Right. So, but all the commotion of the departing cars, finally, it was too much for the neighbors. So, the neighbors called the cops. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Party's over. I know. Well, yeah. Snitch. Snitches do the dishes. Snitches do that's interesting (laughs) so this is kind of like a little backtrack but on a Friday night in June a month before the party Tyler came home completely drunk from a night he had been out and he had been to a friend's house and he actually came home because he had wet the bed Um, excuse me I know and it was so out of control like he was so completely out of control when he came home his mom actually got up the next morning and took him to a mental health clinic and had him admitted wow and some people even asked her you know are you worried that tyler might do something to you or whatever and mary joe was like no i really just think he's lost right now just so that just kind of gives you some mindset of Mm-hmm. You know, she's worried about him. She's trying to get him help, but she doesn't think that he's going to be. So anyway, the weekend before the party, um, Tyler had gone with his dad and grandfather to a family reunion in Georgia. The people there were like, I didn't see any problems between Tyler and his family. So anyway, it's now two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. The, the caravan, of, caravan of cars that tore out of the driveway are now back and um, they're kind of revving their engines trying to figure out what they want to do. 
So two officers from the Port St. Lucie Police Department are now at the Hadley residence. By that point, there are only like 20 people left at the party. And when the officers ring the bell, Tyler told everybody to quiet down, hide in his room. And then he opens the door. Really? Yeah. Nobody's here, officer. Just me. The officer said there's been a noise complaint. And Tyler talked to them for a few minutes and the, the cops left. Oh my God. By 2.30, Tyler's friends began to kind of filter back to the party. <clears throat> it's now kind of clear that there's something wrong with Tyler because he's, he's weird. Um, they, he had taken 10 Percocet pills and told everybody he was going to commit suicide and hit him in a hall closet. He said, whatever. He hit who in a hall closet? A Percocet. That he took? No, he, he took them from, remember there was a kid. Oh, for the dollar a pill. Dollar pill but so he must have had $10 cash on him. Well, yeah, pills. evidently he had been to the ATM and taken a significant amount of money out of his parents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, Mike Mandel has now left the party. Um, but he decides he's going to call Crime Stoppers. The oh. hotline. Yeah, because he could make money. Yeah, So, and he told him everything. He told him everything that... Tyler told him. Right. So, two more police officers were dispatched to the house. Now it's 4.32 a.m. These officers parked across the street. There were cars in front of the house. Um, they ran plates on two of the cars. One car was registered to Tyler and the other two to his parents. So, as the officers walk up the driveway, they hear someone talking in the house. Um, and... <laughs> they could see a shadow of a person in the window walking back and forth. So the officer kind of kneels, looks through the blinds. He can see that it's Tyler walking across the living room and he's talking to himself. He's got a completely normal. I do it all the time. <laughs> you pace back and forth in front of the window and talk to yourself. Sometimes with and sometimes your without clothing. And he's my like, eyes are already wide are because blinking. I'm not blinking. Mm. So Tyler grabs a stack of books from the bookshelf near the front door and marches them into the back bedroom. Then after saying something weird, he dumps the books on the floor in a frantic manner. And then he repeated the exercise twice more, returning for a second and third stack of books. Like, he's totally losing his shit right now. Yeah. Finally, Green's like, I I'm going to just uh, knock on the door of the police officer. So he rings the bell. But there's no answer. But he can still see that Tyler is... Walking away from the door and yeah, um, Tyler then turned all the lights in the house off. <laughs> night night, and then he bed. opened the door. Oh, and he's got on um, now a black shirt and black shorts now. Right? Oh, no more dicky. And his left hand is hidden behind his back. So one of the officers there's nothing his behind my it's back, officer. <laughs> so he tells Tyler, "Put your hands up and step out of the house." The officers check in for weapons. There are none. They order him to the ground. They handcuff him. They ask for, are there any adults home? Tyler said no. Um, I know I'm going to Rock Road, he told the officer. Well, that Just must be the name of a, maybe a local jail or local prison. And then, Yeah, I guess so. Oh, right. It's the, count, the address of the county jail. Okay. So he said, just take me. So they leave Tyler shackled in the driveway. 
And then the officer's gone house, and Tyler says, hey, you can't go in there. Don't go in there. <laughs> and the well, officer's like, okay. now we have a reason to go in. Right. No, we're not going to go in. So anyway, they see the empty beer bottles, the solo cups, all this ridiculous stuff. They go back into Tyler's bedroom. They're unraveled cigars. There's 15 empty beer bottles, a woman's purse on his bed. The furniture in his brother's old bedroom is turned over. The floor is covered with clothing and bedding. And they find the black Labrador locked inside the closet. Oh, my gosh. I can't take it when they abuse animals. I know. The cops go through the kitchen. They approach the master bedroom. It's and locked. Dog. And, and the officers dog. notice the streaks of dried blood on the frame. They force the knob and open the door. <clears throat> and there they find um, Mary Jo and Blake underneath all of that bludgeon to death at the hand of their son. So they take him into custody. And the trial is kind of interesting because they start interviewing all the kids at the party. Mm -hmm. You know, think about all the kids I talked about. Mm -hmm. There's a long list of kids. Yeah, to you put said at one point there was 100 of them. So I know that Tyler had kept saying that there were a lot of pills in his house, but when they searched the house, they found some prescription bottles in Tyler's name for depression, anxiety, but that was it. They didn't find any of the other pills. Like he kept saying, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. But he never really produced any of the medication that you would take to actually But he took 10 Percocet. And hit him. Maybe oh, he, he didn't them. ingest them. He took them. He stole them. I guess. Oh, my God. I thought he took them in this whole time. I'm like, how is he standing upright? I mean, if I have one, I'm done. Okay. Right. So he, he took them as in he stole them. Right. Now, remember, he had taken three ecstasy pills before he murdered his parents. Mm -hmm. And he had some more ecstasy at the party. Mm -hmm. So it may be he took some Percocet, but it didn't have any effect on it. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know what happens when you mix those. So Tyler was 17 mm -hmm. and couldn't be sentenced to death by Florida law. Right. In 2014, he was sentenced to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Okay. But in April of 2016, his sentencing was overturned by an appeal judge who stated to the lower court that they did not consider the correct alternative to a life sentence. What is the alternative? In December 2018, Hadley was resentenced to life in prison, but this time with the possibility of parole. Okay. He is currently in prison in the Okeechobee Correctional Institution. Was that on Rock Road? No. So you got the address wrong. In April of 2015, the Hadley house was demolished. So it's I would imagine you can't anymore. sell that. I mean, who's so, going to clean up that? That's teenagers out of control. Oh, my gosh. Teenagers okay. out of control. That was awful. Yeah. Those poor parents. I know. You do all your the shit for your kid, and I that's know. what they do for you? I know. All right, so can we go on pause real fast? Oh, yeah, we can pause okay. it. Let's pause it. We're going to pause it. We'll be back. Okay, hold. And we're back. Hey, we're back. And we're back. So, the pies are on our break. I went ahead and took out the pies and put the topping on it. So, I just put another tub of Cool Whip. It was soft Cool Whip, so it was easy. Because I like to make it kind of purdy. And I did that, and then I put them back in the freezer. But I will tell you, Sugar, that I made enough that I could have made two pies out of one. 
I wondered yeah. about that because I know in the past that we've had a significant amount left over. I think we 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 should have been making two pies the whole time, but we used it as a dip. <laughs> we did. So I had filled up two of the empty Cool Whip containers with the extra stuff. Right. Put it in the fridge. It's kind of weird though with all the. Where did you do with the leftover stuff? Because I never got a taste. Yeah. I saw that you were licking the spatula, but I never got a taste. It, I accidentally fell into the spatula with my tongue open. <laughs> right. And then you caught me like right then. Um, it's in the fridge because I figured that we could taste that. Right. You know, at some point. Okay. But I did two containers because I was going to give you a container. Nice. As well. You're right. I know. It's so out of character. Excuse me for being a little surprised. You better watch yourself because I don't have to leave it here. Well, I'd like to see you get it out the door. <laughs> well, there's, you got a point there's there. There's that. There's that. Okay, so I'm going to talk about my murder. Okay. My murder happens in the Lakeside community of Henrico County, Richmond, Virginia. I'm very familiar with the area. Yes, I know. And it happens in March of 1990. I don't believe I was there at that time. Oh, wasn't me. No, you weren't there at that time. You were living in Norfolk at that time because it was almost exactly one month later to the day that my daughter was born. I was not in Richmond yeah. at the time. No, but I will tell you who was. Our aunt. Oh, okay. She's the one that told us about this murder. <gasps> Another fan. Yay. Yes, a she is. Fan. She's a, a fan fan. And our favorite Aunt Jamie. She is. I hope none of the other aunts are listening. Uh, anyway, so she not only was there, but she has she has involvement. I don't want to say she was involved in the murder. Okay, I was I'm like, wait a minute, am I going to find out about a family? I'm just saying, we've got a lot of goats in our closets. Oh, you might. I do not have a goat in my closet. Okay. It's so weird. Okay, anyway, so let's go. I'm going to talk about Larry. Larry is 42 years old, and he's a heating oil sale, heating oil <laughs> salesman, if nobody knows what oil is. He also is the president of the Lakeside Little League and had been for six years. Oh. And he had also coached Little League for over a decade. Nice. He was also a junior governor of the Lakeside Moose Lodge, and he ran Monday night bingo games to benefit the Little League. So he was a real community guy. Yeah. And he was married to Emily, and Emily was a part-time receptionist. Emily. Emily was a part-time receptionist and a, at a beauty salon. She was a full-time mom to 17-year-old Eddie and 14-year-old Christopher. All right. And she had a devoted passion to gardening. Gardening was her life. The family lived in Emily's childhood home, and Larry enjoyed having an open house where neighborhood kids were welcome to come and go. Aw. I know. It was common for teenagers to just stroll in uninvited and stay for a meal or even spend the night. I love that about the 90s. The yeah. 80s and the 90s. And the 70s. Yeah. yeah. So Larry even bought a pool table and kept it downstairs in the basement and kept that basement door unlocked at all times so the kids could come and go as they pleased. There was something for them to do down there. And he really prided himself on having that kind of open right, space. Right, like being the house. Like, and, he, and he liked having that open space where teenagers could come and just hang out. Do their thing. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So their son, Eddie, was 17 
He was a high school junior and played the saxophone in a school band. Nice. And was a, had been a pitcher for the JV baseball team, and he had good grades. Christopher was 14. Uh-huh. He hung with a more rebellious crowd and often was referred, They were his crowd was often referred to as the local rabble-rousers. Rabble-rousers. Yes, quite the rabble-rouser. And he made some poor choices. Like, he and some teenage boys one time set fire to the high school press box floor because they were hanging out up there and they needed to keep warm. They also tried to break into the concession stand because they were hungry. Oh, my. They needed a snack. But he also got involved in some not-so-kid stuff. So Christopher had been sent to Juvenile Hall because a brick and two Molotov cocktails had been thrown through a family's house (gasps) in the neighborhood. Oh, my gosh. Luckily, the the kerosene in the bottles did not ignite, but it was very serious, and he ended up going to Juvenile Hall for it. He did it? Mm -hmm. At 14? 14. Whoa. So he's in juvie. Wow. At 14 years old. So in March of 1990, he was still in juvie. Right. So oftentimes the neighbors would urge the walkers. That's their last name. Oh, it's like, you mean like the mall walkers? <laughs> no. The walkers, Larry and Emily, to lock their door, their back door. But Larry wouldn't hear of it. He said, no, I want my house to be that house. I want the kids to be able to come in and hang out with no judgment Just have a place to be. Right. So now we're going to skip to March 26, 1990. Okay. It's a Monday morning. Police on just a normal patrol through the neighborhood discover two teenagers asleep in a car outside the Walker's house. Oh. It happened to be in the Walker's car. Okay. Okay. So the police knock on the window and they question the teenagers and they said they'd been out driving all night long and had fallen asleep in the driveway upon returning. Oh. Couldn't yeah. make it into the house. No, they was, they was tired. Tired. So the two officers knocked on the walker's front door. No answer. So they left. Oh. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, whatever. Later that morning, neighbors became... became Wait, do we know who the kids were? Just random teenagers? They were random teenagers. And the police didn't say, why are you in the walker's because car? The, because the walkers had this open door policy, and so... They didn't even ask the teenagers who they were. Oh, my goodness. So later that morning, neighbors became concerned and knocked on the door when no one, because they had seen, a, there was a lack of activity at some point. They and noticed their things were so very quiet. So it was unusual quiet. for there to be a lack of activity. Around, right? yeah. They became concerned and knocked on the door. And again, there was no answer. So one of them entered through the unlocked basement door. Right. Because it was always open. open door. And he started going through the house. You know, calling out for the walkers. Right. And there he discovered the bodies of Larry, Emily, and 17-year-old Eddie. Oh, no. Yeah. Each had been shot in the head. Now we're going to go five days later. So this is March 31st. Okay. Okay. Those same two teenagers. Remember the two teenagers? Wait, is the other kid still in juvie? Mm-hmm. Okay. So the kid's in juvie. His family's now been murdered. Yes. And they're random teenagers. And So these same random teenagers that were outside of their house that night, they were found again sleeping in a car of the walkers at a local boat ramp. I guess they need a lot of sleep, so they're teenagers. I mean, okay. They're sleeping a lot. So one was Jackie Culp, a girl, and one was Chris Palmer, a boy. This time, police talked to them and wanted to search the car. In the car, they discover the wallets of Larry and Emily Walker, 
in a 22 caliber shotgun. Well, darn it. Which happened to be the same caliber that the Walkers had been shot with. The gun belonged to a 16-year-old boy named Stephen Eugene Ray. Stevie Ray. Mm -hmm. So they went and questioned Stephen Ray, and he confessed to the burglary of the wallets and the murder of the Walkers. He told police his motivation was that he believed Emily Walker had had an affair with his dad, causing his parents to divorce. Oh, my gosh. Stephen also tells police that in November of 1989, he had crept into the Walker house while the family slept, and he and an accomplice at that point stole several items from the home and snatched the keys to the Walker's car and went on a joyride. And the Walkers didn't even know? No. Holy cow. So even back then, Stephen told his buddy that night, I should have killed the Walker family. I should have killed them so that there would be no witnesses. What the heck is happening? I know. Teenagers. Oof, they're wow, scary. Wow, how crazy that we both did a teenager murder. Wow. God, we're really in sync. Yeah. But not the band. Not the, yeah, not the no, band. We're not that band. I wish, because we would have a little bit more money. Yeah, but so, but then a lot of really fame, were not that attractive. No, and honestly, that fame can really damage your life. Right, I right. Think, so, all right. In March of 1990, on a Friday evening, Stephen Ray met with his friends Chris Palmer and Shelby Ing to discuss some plans to run away. They're teenagers. They want to run away. Right. I mean, who doesn't want to get away? Right, right. Everybody I never does. wanted to run away. Like, I was happy. I, I wanted to stay. I know you were running away, but... Because you were spoiled. I don't feel like I was spoiled. I really don't. I feel like by the time I came along that they were just so freaking tired. Of and they you. just let you get every, get away <laughs> they, with everything. They didn't have time to pay attention to and me. And the crazy thing is we're only four years apart. It's not like I'm, there were 10 years. No, but you were a lot. I was a lot. I'm still a lot. <laughs> and I'm proud of it. So anyway, when they met to discuss these plans, Stephen brought with him his 22 caliber shotgun. Oh, we're going to talk about running away, but I'm bringing my shotgun. Just to the to, meeting. To the meeting, just in case. He told his friends that he knew of a place where he could get keys and money, because you need those things to run away. Well, yeah. And he said he knew of a, he knew the family always kept their doors unlocked, and he knew where everything in the house was. Wow. So the next day, he goes to Shelby, and he tells her, tonight's the night. Oh, no. So around 4 a.m. on March 25th, in the wee hours of Sunday. Really? My gosh. Yeah. Ray went to the window of Jackie Culp. She was 14. Wow. And he got her attention. She knew about the plan. She had been at the meeting, too. And so she left through her window and accompanied Ray to the Walker's house. And then she watched as Ray, who was armed with his shotgun, walked into the unlocked basement door of the Walker home. She waited outside while Ray went upstairs. He came back outside. They left in the Walker vehicle and then went and picked up Chris Palmer. And then they spent the remainder of that day out at a construction site. Oh, just hanging out. And maybe sleeping because they... St tired. They, They're very tired. They tend to sleep a lot in the car. <laughs> anyway, the next morning was Monday. And Ray, Palmer, and Culp returned to the Walker house. And Ray once again entered the house... And that's when the two officers stumbled upon the two kids in the car. All right. Ray was in the house with his shotgun. Okay. 
but they didn't get an answer on the door, so they left. I understand that. It, this is the second day. This is this is so the first day Monday. he stole the wallets but didn't kill them. I think he did kill them then, but they would have been discovered, and uh, he was he really would have been caught red-handed. So what the heck was he doing back in the house? He went to get more stuff. Oh my gosh! Yep. What an interesting child. <laughs> yep. So that's when the officers stumbled upon the two kids in the driveway in the Walker's car, and they knocked on the front door and left after no response. Right. So Stephen Ray was actually inside the house at the time, and the family had was dead by then. Okay. So he had gone back in, maybe to, to just look at to admire his work. I right. Don't know. So Monday morning, when neighbors became alarmed, they go to the Walker house. They go through the door. They find the bodies. Okay. Okay. And then we have March 31st is six days after the bodies are discovered. They find the two kids in the right car with the shotgun. Right. Right. And the wallets. And the wallets. Yes. So, and then they go pick up Stephen. And that's when he tells, tells them when their story. Confesses. Right. So, he also, at the confession, said that he shot Emily Walker because of her supposed affair with his father. Supposed. It's what his mother had told him. <gasps> but it was never proven. Oh, my gosh. And then um, he said that he shot Eddie because they never really got along in school. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And then he had to shoot the father because he couldn't just leave one. Oh, my God! Yeah, this is how flippant he is about these people's lives. So he entered a plea of guilty to three first-degree murder charges. And then he said, I'm not guilty for the robberies. It's robbery and burglary and car theft is what they got him on. And I think it's about the, the robbery and burglary is about the time of day you go in and how you get in there. Okay. And then, so, but he said, yeah, I killed him, but I didn't do any of the other things. Oh. But then how did you get in the house to kill him, you nimrod? Right. You had to go in there. You had to break in. And how old is he again? 16. Jiminy Cricket. 16. So, and he said, yes, we were in their car, but it wasn't car theft. I just, I took the keys. He borrowed I didn't it. carjack them. Yeah, I killed them, and then I borrowed their car. Well, they weren't going to need it. They didn't need it. So, at the trial, the jury convicts Ray of three capital murder charges. So, let me ask you this question. I'm assuming he's tried him as an adult? Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, he is. So, at the trial, the jury... So, listen carefully. I'm going to try and get it because sometimes these things confuse me. So, he enters the guilty plea because it was part of his plea deal. Right. Of three first-degree murder charges. Okay. And then says, but I'm not guilty for anything else. That's it. They try him for the whole thing. Right. Okay. So, because they're trying him for this stuff, the burglary and the robbery and the car theft, mm -hmm. um, the murder comes up, of course. Right. Okay. So, at the trial, the jury convicts him of three capital murder charges, as well as all the other charges. So, they threw the book at him. Okay. And they convict him of cap at 16 capital murder? Yes. Wow. So the judge, he says, I'm going to uphold the first degree murder that you pled guilty to. Right. And I'm also going to uphold the three capital murder cases. Wow. So he was charged with six murders. And this is in Virginia? Yes. 
Okay. Okay. So he gets six murder convictions on three homicides. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he actually appeals the six charges, murder charges, because based on double jeopardy. Right. And I actually read the appeals court document, which I thought was fascinating because you know I love that crap. Yeah. So the appeals court says it wasn't double jeopardy because there was only one trial. Right. Double jeopardy is you get tried twice. Right. One trial, and he was only arraigned once. Right. So they said, take your double jeopardy and shove it up your ass. Good. Okay. So what they do is they said, okay, we're going to vacate the first-degree convictions. We're going to keep all the higher charges of capital murder and all the other charges that we gave you. Okay. So you don't like the capital murder and the first degree, then we'll take the first degree away. Right. Yeah. So then it piqued my curiosity, of course, about the difference between capital murder and first degree murder, because it all seems the same to me. So both are the same. They're both premeditated, intentional murder. Right. I thought capital murder, though, was was where they're seeking the death penalty. It specifically has something to do with the death penalty. So... Yes. I just said penalty. Penalty. I penalty. Guilty penalty. Guilty penalty. Okay, so states with the death penalty require capital murder to consider the death penalty. Virginia still has the death penalty. There are 28 states that have the death penalty, and I'm going to tell you what they are. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas. California with an asterisk, so hold on to that. Florida, Georgia, Idaho. Nebraska, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon with an asterisk, Pennsylvania with an asterisk, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Virginia, Wyoming. I think it's interesting that South Dakota has the death penalty, but North Dakota does not. So those three states. Why? Why? I just find it's interesting. They're, they're the Dakotas. Okay. Like get it together, people. Well, there's a reason there's a north and a south. Maybe well, so you together. better make sure you know where you're murdering somebody. I guess so. Yeah. Right, on the, right, right yeah. over the line. Exactly. <laughs> one step over the line, sweet Jesus. <laughs> so the ones with the asterisks on them, they actually have something called a goober, 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 gubernatorial moratoria, which means the governor's office has suspended the death penalty at the state level. So... They still have it on the books that they have the death penalty, but those, the governor has said at the state level, we don't recognize it, so we don't we don't give it to people. Right. Okay. The thing is, if you elect a new governor, and that governor comes in and he believes in the death penalty, he right. can just put it right back into law. Right. It's it's it, it's right there at his desk, and that's where he can. So you got to make sure you know who you're electing. Yeah. Because he or she could lift the moratorium. And reinstate the death penalty, and that that power is held at the state level. Right. So we're going to go through this. Stephen Ray, 16 years old, he gets six life terms <laughs> plus 47 years to run consecutively. Right. So it means he will never get out. Like he he unless he he's maybe the age of. Moses. He didn't get the death penalty? No, they can't they couldn't give him the death penalty. Because he was sixteen. Ugh. But they could give him life 
and they could give him six lifetimes. That's how they got around it. So right. they said, we're not going to kill you, but we're going to make you wish you were dead. Wow. Because you're going to have six lifetimes in 47 years. And then Christopher Palmer, Jackie Culp, and then that Shelby girl were all charged as well. The problem is they were all 16 and 14, and I can't find their trials or sentencing anywhere. It drove me crazy. I looked they probably all over. were not tried as adults. Probably maybe. not, which means that the cases are sealed. So, but I did find out this crazy little fact. We're going to fast forward to January of 2010. So the murders happened in 1990. Right. This is 20 years later. Okay. Chris Walker. Remember him? Yes. The guy, the kid that was in Judy. Yeah, he's the son. The only well, I'm really following You really him. are listening, Shoga. So he was the kid in Juvie when his whole entire family was killed. So he's 33 years old now. He calls 911 uh-huh. and confesses to killing his girlfriend of a 40-year-old woman named Verna Ilio. When the police arrive, he surrenders. He confesses to bludgeoning her to death with a baseball bat. Oh he is sentenced gosh. to 60 years with 30 years suspended. I don't know what 30 years suspended means. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. If what is he's it? sentenced to 60 with 30 suspended? Yeah. Okay, so that means 30 got taken off. So what's got the point of suspending? Like, what, if you want him to get 30 years and get him 30 years, I know why. Maybe it's it has because to do with parole, like when they come up for parole. And it probably also has to do with it's suspended, but when he's in prison, if he commits more crimes, then they then they unsuspend it. Well, and you have to do a certain percentage of time before you're eligible for parole. Oh. So, um, I, that doesn't yeah, make I sense to I me. We'll have to ask a, an attorney or perhaps some kind of a crime fighter. Maybe a crime fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one with a cape. On me. Pardon me. Are you crime. my chance? A crime fighter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the answer to that. So uh, here you fight crime. <laughs> you mind if I ask you a few questions? I need to ask you some questions. <laughs> So that's my murder. It's crazy because we both did murders of teenage uh, some teenage boys killing some adults, adults, which happens, unfortunately. It's really sad. And I think about this Jackie Culp and this Chris Palmer and how they got all wrapped up in it. And I I don't think that they knew that he was going to do what he did. I just don't. I mean, he came they, to the meeting with the shotgun and said, "I know where I can kill some people and get some stuff." Right. So let me. So just, what they think was going to happen? Well, he had this shotgun since he was a kid, and when I was reading it, so my husband and I started this debate on what because he said there's no such thing as a 22 caliber shotgun. If it's 22 caliber, it's a rifle. Okay. I'm like, okay. So, um, I mean, this is a game of inches. I don't know. Yeah. But, so, and I said, well, in the court documents, it said a twenty-two caliber shotgun. He said, well, the only reason that it would be considered that you would have twenty-two caliber ammo and a shotgun is if you're out hunting squirrels and rabbits and small vermin and that kind of stuff. And I said, well, that's probably what he had. He probably was given this gun as a kid and hunted with it. Right. And that's... And then he used it. I mean, he, it was um, close range, shot to the head. Right. So he killed them when they were sleeping. Right. So, I mean, I would imagine that it was a twenty-two caliber because it was his hunting gun. So they, he probably took that out of where he freaking went. Because really? that's the weird kid that he was. Oh, Those geez. kids probably, 
I'm just saying it probably was not uncharacteristic for him to do something like that. Right. Yeah, you but know. listen, those kids know right from wrong. I know if somebody in, a, in your group is like, yeah, I know where I can kill people, I'll be the first He never said he was going to kill them. He said, I know where I can get keys and money. There, there's a family that leaves their door locked all the time, or unlocked all the time, and I've gone and so taken stuff on them. So you think that those kids didn't know he was going to shoot the, kill mm-hmm. the people? I think that they knew he was going to rob them, but I don't think that he they understood that he was going to shoot them. Well, that could be. But then again, they didn't report it when he came back, and I'm sure he said, I killed them. And then they went back in another time, you know, a second time. Right. And well, so, he, may not, he may not have said, I killed them. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what the communication lines right. are with teenagers, and this was in 1990, so I really don't know what yeah. it was. Because I just, you know, I had a had a baby in my belly, but I didn't have any teenagers yet at that right, point. Right, right. I would learn later on in life that it's hell raising a teenager. Thank goodness we didn't raise killers. I mean, I'm thinking we didn't. God, I think I need some pie. And I, I agree. Did you? Did your timer go off? Silently, because I didn't want to disturb oh, okay. the podcast. Gotcha. I so. thought you were going to say, "Oh, I forgot to set my timer." So, um. Okay, well, can you just grab well, it out let, of the freezer? Here, let me get up and do that Well, for I'm you. in a really tall chair, and if I get up, I might sprain my ankle. Okay, well, let me do just... <laughs> Plus, I've had a traumatic event in my life today. I thought my daughter was being kidnapped. I thought my niece was being kidnapped. It was also traumatic for me. I understand, but um, I'm the mom, so <laughs> it would be the most traumatic for me. Oh, my goodness. This looks great. Are we going to put some Cool Whip on it? Oh, the Cool Whip is already on it. So you just have to cut the pot and then so we'll taste it. So we're not going to spray more Cool Whip on top. This is how it. much Cool Whip do you want? <laughs> I mean, I like a lot. I didn't get a gallon bucket of it. I didn't know I was supposed to. I didn't know it's a photo. Oh my goodness! So we just need to take a little taste of this. Oh, sure, that looks really good. I'll I wait know. for you to I'm, serve yourself. I am um, worked really hard on that. I know it smells real good too. All right, here we go. You ready? Mm-hmm. Let's see if you did it right. Ready? One, two, three. Mmm. Mmm. That's good. Mmm. Mm. It's so refreshing on a hot day. I'm telling you, you come in from unloading your car from groceries mm. and you're just hot and bothered. Wait, no, you're not oh hot and gosh. bothered. Oh my gosh, what is the matter with you? <laughs> you're not hot and bothered. That's later on in the night. <laughs> <laughs> That's delicious. You're done good. Thank you, sugar. Thank you. Well, Thank guys. You yeah, yeah, uh huh. So, everybody. Please, please, please come follow us on Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, I'm begging you because I have a goal in mind of how many followers we should be at, and we're not there yet. And so please come follow us at Sugar Coated Murder on the Instagram. We have a Facebook page that you can find us at Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Podcast fan page. No. We and have her, a uh, oh, the Facebook page, page right, right. that's just Sugar Coated Murder Podcast. Yeah. And then we have Sugar Coated Murder Podcast fan page that you can join. Right. And please email us, ask us for recipes, act like you care, or give us a recipe or a murder because I love it. My Aunt Janie gave us this murder but and I'm don't so happy. Tell us if you murdered somebody. That This is not the right form for that. No, but if you murder somebody just tell us to no, do the murder cover the murder no we don't want any parts of it i don't want to know if you've murdered anybody That's no they can keep business. that part a secret no no oh. you're going down the wrong way i'm, do- I'm- that's you nothing new for me a, you need to make a u-turn no okay so 
Email us at murder dot <laughs> Anyway, we love you guys. We do. Thank you so much like, for all the support and the love. We're just so happy that we're still doing this and that at least two people are listening. That's so right. keep it up and tell your friends and bring all your people and we're gonna figure out how to do a listen party one day. A listen party, we're gonna we'll do a raffle or something yeah, and once I move we'll we'll record like we definitely we'll are gonna do a video. We're gonna play with some videoing so oh, we don't know if it's ever gonna make the air but we're gonna try. We'll see what happens. Yep. So anyway in the meantime y'all be sweet. Y'all be sweet. Have a great week. Still stay well, stay healthy and yeah. stay happy. And wash your hands. Oh just my gosh, wash your hands. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.